Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5. 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. Well, as the world is on fire right now, and we might be looking at World War III potentially breaking out, we need to turn back and look at World War I for a moment. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. I'll give you all the latest updates on everything that's going on uh, with Israel, but I also want to welcome a Philadelphia guy to the show right now. His name is Doug Brunt. Doug is a Philly native, and uh, hey, it's great to have you on the show, Doug. Thank you. Rich, thanks for having me here. This is great. Yeah, you got it, man. Uh, the mysor- mysterious case of Rudolf Diesel, genius power and deception on the eve of World War One. I. I, you know, I've been reading this, and a lot of people don't understand the, the 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 powerful forces involved in all this, but I mean, you got questions. I mean, like, did, for example, was he whacked by the Rockefeller family? That's the first question. So, <laughs> before we get to that, tell us who is Rudolf Diesel and why should we care? Rudolf Diesel invented the diesel engine, and like many of your listeners, seven eight years ago, I didn't know there was a Rudolf Diesel. That, that even existed. I, I walk around, like everyone else, misspelling the word diesel with a lowercase d half the time. It should be an uppercase d, named after this guy. He was a German, and in sept- on September, ni- September 29th, 1913, he's traveling from Belgium to Great Britain on an overnight passenger ferry, and he disappears in the middle of the night. And in the morning, they hold the ship at sea. He doesn't show up for breakfast or search the ship for him. All they find are his hat and his coat neatly folded at the stern of the ship right by the rail, seeming to mark where he jumped over. So the weird thing about it is, we don't, as we don't know his name today, in 1913, just on the eve of World War I, he was a huge celebrity. To put it in today's terms, it would be like Elon Musk disappearing. You know, imagine if Elon Musk hopped on a plane and then just disappeared and the world went crazy. That's what it was like then. And the newspaper headlines, as you say, there, there were two theories of murder. The main theory was he was suicide, but two theories of murder. One was that he was murdered by agents of big oil and the Rockefellers. And the other theory was that he was murdered by Kaiser Wilhelm II, the emperor of Germany. And so the book explores the motives these two men had and and kind of solves the mystery. 
All right, you solved the mystery, which is great. And obviously, we won't give it away. And, and your writing style is terrific, by the way, because I mean, this is this is it, 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 it reads like a thriller, even though it's it's a historical nonfiction book. But let's think about where we were at this time. So we're about to start. It's right on the eve of World War One. The diesel engine changes everything, right? I mean, you cannot understate that the diesel engine changes everything, especially as the world is looking towards war. Yeah, I, I, you know, I always thought it was like a fuel, but it's a totally different engine, a fundamentally different engine. It doesn't use a spark to ignite. It, it's a compression engine. Uh, like it, I came across this when I bought a boat about eight years ago, and the guy was like, yeah, you should repower this boat with diesels. And I was saying, well, why? And he said, well, 100% of boat fires come from gasoline engines, zero from diesel. The fuel is totally stable. There are no fumes. And you get four times the efficiency, but four times as far on it. By 1913, the diesel engine had emerged as the only engine that could power a submarine or a U-boat. And this is at a time, as you know, from World War One or any history buff knows, it was a time of extreme militarism, extreme nationalism. The Anglo-German naval arms race was at its peak. And, you know, the whole world is sort of like bubbling over ready for this world war. And so the navies of every major power in Europe were scrambling for diesel expertise to build their submarine fleets, especially the Germans and the British. And so diesel was in in high demand because it was still a relatively new engine and only Rudolf Diesel and a handful of others really had the knowledge to, to make a diesel engine work for the really difficult requirements of undersea travel. When you talk about the various conspiracy theories about what happened to him, obviously, the, if the diesel engine had been the engine that everybody used, then big oil would, would have suffered. I mean, that's really where one of the leading conspiracy theories comes from with all this, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the irony is today, diesel engines run primarily on petrodiesel. It is a, it is a form of crude oil or petroleum distilled to make diesel fuel. But that's not what he wanted back in 1913. He actually did a trip through America in 1912, and he was advocating that he could break the American fuel monopolies, and he didn't need a law to do it. He could do it through his technology because his engine had won the 1900 Paris World's Fair, a diesel engine running peanut oil. And he was saying, if you have farmers, you can grow your own fuel. It runs on vegetable oil or peanut oil. It could also run on coal tar. If you do the coking process to coal, you get coke, coal gas, and coal tar, which is like a black sludge that comes from coal. It could run on any of those fuels. And so he was saying, we don't need to be run around and have wars over, you know, places in the world that have oil in the ground. So that was an existential threat for Rockefeller and the oil trust, because, you know, having a combustion engine that could run on vegetable oil was was uh, not at all in their interest. And so that's why newspapers were making the leap at that time in 1913 that Rockefeller and the oil trust might have been responsible for his murder. You, you would have had a lot of very rich farmers, theoretically. I mean, peanut farmers would, would have... <laughs> I, I mean, truly, but but you, as you point out in the book, I mean, Rockefeller was going to do anything, any threat to Standard Oil was going to be met with force. That he did not play nice. That is for sure. He didn't there's play a, nice. There's an example, there's an example in the book that... Uh, the, the Ludlow Massacre was about a, a mine in Ludlow, Colorado, and they went on strike. They wanted the eight-hour workday and other sort of worker benefits that we you know, mainly enjoy today, but not at that time. And the response to the strike was he hired the Baldwin Felt Detective Agency. He hired these agencies. The Pinkertons were the best example of this, which Standard Oil also at times hired. 
But these detective, quote-unquote, detective agencies often acted as the paramilitary wing of big business, whether it was the oil trust or tobacco, sugar, steel, uh, you know, in order to deal with labor relations and these kinds of disputes and strikes, they would bring these detectives in that were armed to the teeth. And so you'd have these strikers out there, and often these things led to dust-ups with, you know, fi- with uh, shots fired back and forth. And in the Ludlow Massacre, about 30 strikers and their families were killed with gunfire and arson. That's, am- that, that's amazing. All right, so the book is called, by the way, The Mysterious Case of Rudolph Diesel, Genius, Power, and Deception on the Eve of World War One. The author's with me right now, Douglas Brunt. He's going to be tomorrow for an in-person conversation. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and this is going to be moderated with, and I hope I'm saying this name correctly, uh, Gerhard Reich. Yes, he is a great guy. And the reason why this will be such a great interview is he helped me a lot on the book. We're going to do the event at the Haverford School in Haverford on, on Lancaster Avenue. And Gerhard is, uh, as the name might suggest, is German. And I trans—I had to get a ton, of, you know, reams of material translated from German to English. I found out of these archives, Rudolf Diesel's old diaries from his trips to America, one in 1904, one in 1912, his letters to his wife, which are, you know, for someone who's an engineer and invented the engine, like incredibly romantic and poetic. I mean, he really was like a it was like a French poet or something. It was, it was amazing. But Gerhard translated all this stuff from German to English for me. And he and I had many conversations as I was going through the research and the writing of the book. So it's going to be a lot of fun to talk to him about it. All right. So you, you, we talked about the there's several conspiracy theories about how this guy just disappears in the middle of the night, in the middle of the ocean. And, and, and just to be clear, the, the ship that he was on, that didn't disappear. Just he disappeared, right? That's right. It's a passenger ferry going from Belgium to Great Britain. And in part, you know, what, what also leads to some of the theories, in particular about Kaiser Wilhelm and the Germans, the reason he was making this trip from Belgium to Great Britain was that he was going to the opening ceremonies of a new diesel engine manufacturing company in Great Britain, whose mandate it was to build submarine diesels for Great Britain's royal fleet. And Diesel, Rudolf Diesel, was a co-founder and board director of this new British company. So you can imagine the Kaiser was not too pleased with that uh, as, as he's in the heat of this arms race with Great Britain. So, uh, yeah, so that, that, that passenger ferry called the Dresden uh, did not sink, but they held it at sea in the morning and looked for him and, and couldn't find him. So he probably was wearing concrete shoes or cement shoes, as they say uh, in the movies. <laughs> What are the implications of his disappearance? What happens after that? And are there effects on the international front when he just goes missing? I mean, you said at the time, be like if Elon Musk went missing. So, you know, you think about Elon Musk and, and Ukraine and Starlink and things like that. W- were there ramifications around, you say, there's this, this massive arms race that's going on at the time between Europe, the United States, other countries. So what happens? Well, you know, in the immediate weeks after his disappearance, there's newspaper coverage all over going going nuts on the story. It's the headline of the New York Times, of all the papers in Western Europe, of the papers in Russia. They're following the story. There's conflicting witness testimony about whether Diesel was on the ship and what happened. And about 11 days after the disappearance, a corpse is found floating uh, in the, along the coast of Western Europe not far from, you know, where the ship had passed by. And it's kind of sketchy what happens there. Uh, they, this ship, a pilot steamer, 
called the Kurtzen, a Dutch steamer that's sort of meant to patrol post, uh, coastal areas, finds this corpse floating in the water. It's dressed in sort of nice clothes, but the corpse is really badly decayed. So they pull it alongside, and they rifle through the pockets, and they find four items out of the pockets. And then they say the weather is really rough, so they just push the corpse back into the waves, and, it, and then it disappears forever. But they take these four items into port, and I guess the sailors didn't know this you know, famous guy was missing. But as soon as they get to port, someone says, oh, this could be Rudolf Diesel. So they call Rudolf Diesel's son over, and he looks at the four items and says, yep, those are my dad's. And so they say case closed. But there's really never a body in evidence, hmm. uh, which is one of the unusual things. Now, the disappearance of Diesel, you know, it, it sort of predates World War One by about nine months. And so while people are still sort of looking after this, pretty soon the war starts, and that just pushes everything off the front page. And and really, as a person, he's forgotten. There are some mysterious things that happen with diesel technology in the war years. And I get into that in the book a little bit. But then in terms of the legacy of that, you know, the engine, what, what Rudolph Diesel wanted to see happen was a diesel engine running on vegetable or nut oil and, and basically make every nation fuel independent. That didn't really happen. The, the petroleum trust kind of won out and co-opted the diesel engine as yet another market for petroleum products so it'd be interesting to see how the century might have played out had diesel been around to kind of steer the ship of that but it, you know even today like if you look at willie nelson for example about 15 years ago he was on his tour bus going around and doing his national tour on a bus with a diesel engine running recycled kitchen grease so the diesel engine to this day is still has that kind of flexibility with regard to fuels well, I'm sorry. In Back to the Future, I thought that was what we were always going to be using in the future. Who knew it was actually literally <laughs> right, like, back to the future to be using garbage and oil to power uh, vehicles, right? Right, right. Banana peels. Yeah. Uh, but, and this is the other point. The last question I want to ask you. The submarine could not have been powered without the diesel engine. The submarine and submarine warfare, as we enter World War One, and then ultimately, of course, World War Two. I mean, there, you, you, right here in Philadelphia, where you're from, where I'm, where I'm broadcasting right now, we had German U-boats up, up and down the Atlantic, Atlantic coast. The, the, the change in warfare by having the ability for submarines to be able to do what they were able to do because of the diesel engine, that cannot be understated here. It, not exactly. I mean, the kerosene and gasoline engines that were the other alternative were useless for submarines. It was like the submarine was a joke with those things. There were constant fires, fumes that would kill the crew, uh, and, and range that could barely get it out of port. Suddenly, with a diesel engine, it has long range. As you say, it can make it all the way off the coast of Long Beach Island, New Jersey, you know, where there are old World War I sub wrecks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it has the range, it has the, the speed, it has the safety, and the, and the, and the maintenance. I mean, it, it, the, the diesel engine, like, never breaks down. So uh, it became a huge, huge implement of war. And there's actually a quote from an admiral after World War II, because, you know, this, this engine has persisted as being the dominant power source. Every vehicle, every, every marine vehicle in D-Day was diesel, 100% of them, and they all worked. And one other thing to note about diesel, it's not just war, of course, it's industry, too. One example I give is imagine a piece of fruit grown in a tropical region, Every piece of heavy machinery or farm equipment used to grow that piece of fruit is diesel-powered. And then the fruit gets loaded onto a truck. All things larger than a passenger vehicle on the roads are diesel. Then it gets loaded by a crane, diesel-powered, onto a cargo ship. 100% of cargo ships around the world, diesel-powered. 
goes across the ocean. It's offloaded onto a truck and onto a train. Throughout the 20th century, all trains, diesel, electric. But really, nothing moves in our global economy without diesel. And it's been that way for more than a century. It's fascinating. I know you consulted with former CIA people, British intelligence, police officers, detectives. Uh, it's, it's a really, really fascinating case. The mysterious case of Rudolf Diesel, genius power and deception on the eve of World War I. You will be tomorrow in person with books available for sale from Main Point Books in Haverford tomorrow. Haverford School, Palmer House, and Main Point Books. It's 450 Lancaster Avenue in Haverford, PA. Uh, Doug Brunt, this is great, man. I, I, I'm enjoying it. I can't wait to finish it, and I really appreciate you coming on, on the show today. Thank you very much. Rich, thanks so much. You're going to love how it ends. I can't wait, uh, but I won't give it away even when I know. <laughs> right, I got you. my money on the Germans. I'm just kidding. All right, Doug, thank you very much, pal. <laughs> appreciate it. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.